0: Hello there. Welcome to episode fifty-seven of Right Where You're Sitting. Now we're getting good at doing this weekly. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> it's about time. Um, like, yeah. So um, let's keep our fingers crossed, everyone, and try and keep this weekly. But uh, yeah, um, as you probably heard, uh, Mr. Ulysses back back in studio. Good evening. Um, we've missed you for the last two episodes in oh, the intro. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's not your fault. It's my massively disorganised lifestyle. I think that's caused it. Um, yeah, so we are back, and we've decided to do a non-occult episode this week because we were kind of going off on a occult rabbit hole, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I think as you know,
1: as we go along, all of these things are still connected. One thing feeds into another.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, so it's, we're interviewing Mr. Adam Gowrightly this week. Um, someone, it kind of boggles my mind that we don't, we haven't had him on before. Actually, it's kind of. It's it's, mm. it's it's bizarre. He's kind of part of the the makeup of the sort of stuff we do, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know why it's just never came up. We just never had him on. Um, but I'm really really pleased we had we have him on this week. He's a uh, he's from the uh, the kind of Discordian Robert Anton Wilson esque world. Yeah, from uh, from
1: I guess uh, more innocent conspiracy times.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, ah. which we discuss in this episode. Um, but before we pop over to there i just want to remind everyone to um go check out the youtube channel i need to actually remember to upload the episodes to youtube so i will do that this week um plus we have a video coming i think it's next week we should have that oh exciting yeah, yeah um and yeah so also check out our instagram where we have tens of people following us <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice tens. getting up into double figures oh yeah yeah no it's uh I've, to be fair, we've only just started that <laughs> Instagram and I'm sort of getting slightly better at posting on there because um, I, I have three Instagram accounts, so I need to kind of remember to post. I need some sort of schedule actually with my Instagram.
1: A PA, that's what you need a PA. Yeah,
0: yeah PA, that would be good. Um, yeah, well, maybe if we start actually earning some money at some point, that might be <laughs> something we can get. Baby I, steps, Ken, yeah, baby yeah, steps. yeah, definitely baby steps. Um, anyway, so uh, Adam Go right the um, documenter of conspiracy theories. and... Um, uh he calls himself a rogue historian uh all sorts of things so he's got a new book out it's called well it's newish uh saucers spooks and kooks ufo Info- disinformation in the age of aquarius um it mainly focuses on dulce base yeah dulce base yeah um which we will discuss in this um, episode but really i think in this episode what we're trying to kind of do is link fairly tenuously <laughs> link um Kind of old conspiracies to new conspiracies, essentially.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's uh, drawing on uh, Adam's sort of background and interests, but certainly looking at how a lot of these different conspiracies come into being and and how they feed from one into the other. And you know, this conspiracy theories are quite understandably a hot topic at the moment because they're having a, a stronger, more forceful impact right up uh, you know right up to the very top as it goes so um so uh, you know a discussion about the uh, the progress and the evolution of various conspiracy theories is is something that we have to look at if we're interested in the substance of conspiracy theories you know if we're interested in the substances of uh, uh, paranormal themes occult themes ufo themes not that these will entrenched conspiracy theories but that they all sort of partake of that field and i think if we're going to look at individual conspiracies or individual sort of fringe subjects then it's also important to look at the actual trends uh of how they move through
0: time you know how how people engage with them over time mm, definitely anyway so that's uh let's kick into the interview and we'll see you in the in let's the get into it. yeah <laughs> hey adam go rightly thank you so much for coming on the show it's been a kind of a weird thing that we haven't had you on the show before but um before we get into that let's uh let's get a brief biography of yourself please
2: oh shucks uh where to start um so um i've written about uh over the years uh the paranormal conspiracies uh ufos psychedelics those were my interests going back uh many many years uh, and kind of cut my teeth really in the uh, late 80s writing for a number of zines you know that's how I got involved writing about these various topics and that uh, over time evolved into a number of uh, books I can't even keep track of how many I've uh, written now I'd have to go to Amazon and count but uh, (laughs) I've written on a number of topics the Usually, these odd characters that inhabit the fringes—you know, the uh, Charles Manson and uh, Carrie Thornley and Discordianism and conspiracy theorist James Shelby uh, Downard. More recent books, uh, the latest one, "Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks: uh, UFO Disinformation in the Age of Aquarius" that deals uh, more with uh, disinformation and misinformation and that uh, realm of uh, UFOs and uh, conspiracy theories. And so, yeah, I've also, I did a, a podcast years ago on these uh, topics. I'm a sometime uh, musician, and uh, more recently I became an actor, if you can believe that, in a film called The uh, Hill in the Hole, oh, wow. which is kind of, kind of a uh, Twin Peaks ghost uh, weirdo story uh, where I uh, play uh, the kind of heavy in the film which is it came out pretty good that's the hill on the hole you can find that on uh, Amazon Prime for those of you uh, that uh, have that and I, it looks like they're trying after this movie's a couple of years old now but they're I think they're on the verge of getting some international uh, distribution now. So that's uh, kind of me.
0: That's cool. What did he play in the film?
2: Um, <laughs> well, it's, the, it's the, kind of the heavy in the film. He's uh, kind of a semi-Masonic uh, psychopathic uh, cult leader with a wry sense of humor. All right, that sounds really cool. To to that, that, that kind of fits me, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it seems like your new book, Sources, Speaks and Kooks, um, that seems to be very timely released at the moment, doesn't it, considering what's been going on in the world for the last year or two, well, last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, obviously that's what we'd like to talk to you about today. Um, and, we, obviously, I think let's just talk a little bit about kind of QAnon before we sort of talk about how it kind of, how we got to QAnon um to me I don't know if it's you know if you're you read this the same way but to me it's that it does have a difference to previous conspiracy theories in the fact that it seems to have it seems to have spread a lot more uh, it seems to mm-hmm. be a lot more mainstream and um and that's quite worrying <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it's uh, I've I've watched countless videos on YouTube by kind of, you know, middle American soccer moms um, that kind of you would never previously associate with conspiracy theory. You know, it just seems like it's really gripped a completely Mm -hmm. different group of people. And the other thing seems to be the kind of deification of, of, of Trump as well, which is another thing that I've never seen before. I've never seen a conspiracy theory take it. In fact, it's kind of the polar opposite normally, isn't it? Conspiracy theory would often be kind of counter to the leadership of a government so it's kind of
2: right right anti-democratic uh early on they were uh calling him instead of you know we use the acronym potus president of the united states they were uh, the QAnon type folks were started referring to him as g e o t u s the god emperor of the united states which blew my mind at the time i Kind of picked up on the um, this QAnon stuff somewhat early before it really blew up and became mainstream. I started working on an article uh, that was published in eventually in the Daily the Daily Grail uh, two three years ago now. And uh, you know when it first started when it emerged, I started hearing little tidbits. Bits about the, this, and was like, oh man, this is crazy because it flipped everything, kind of on its uh, head, and uh, portrayed, uh, you know, the early uh, key drops and uh, stuff. You know, everybody knows the story, claiming that that there was this uh, pedophile ring run by the uh, Democrats and. Uh, They were bringing Trump in to break it up, and uh, you know they were secretly they had been arresting all these uh, Hillary Clintons and Democratic operatives and uh, secretly uh, shuttling them to uh, Gitmo where they were going to face a tribunal and be executed. All that (laughs) happy horseshit that was uh, circulating. This was the same time when on the other side of the political uh, spectrum you had a lot of these. stories when Trump came into office, all the Russian connections kind of emerged as well. And it was the same kind of uh, buzz on the uh, left, you know, that uh, all these indictments were coming soon and they were going to lock Trump up, et cetera, et cetera. So it was kind of like a, uh, in some ways it was a response to that.
0: Mm, yeah. Was yeah. there
2: an so, element
1: where it um, it sort of started in a more like jovial, jovial manner before becoming so politicized? Or do you think that sort of cynically, it was uh, a strongly politicized thing off the bat? Obviously politicized yep. because it was opposed to the sort of Democrats sort of conspiracy that it was building. Um, it, it, yeah. But yeah, so I, yeah I'm curious.
2: It's, uh, to me it was a political operation, you know, pretty much from the get-go, and that started with the whole Pizzagate thing. It was obvious it was being engineered by uh, someone, and it, it was a bunch of forces coming together, you know, <laughs> the, uh, people who wanted to put, uh, Trump in office, you had the Russians screwing around with, the uh, disinformation and people on the alt-right, uh, Picked up on it. And so he got a. And there was a lot of influences you talked about from the past that started feeding into this. You know, one of them was uh, like Hil- Hillary was the main bad guy in all of this. And really, these stories uh, started about uh, her connection supposedly to uh, these, you know, sex rings. And this type of stuff, really started in the, uh, ooh boy, back in the uh, mid-90s or so, <clears throat> uh, you can date it back that far, a book like, uh, for instance, he uh, had these mind control books that uh, came out back during that uh, period, late 80s, 90s, the Cathy O. Brian book uh, transformation in America had these bizarre stories, not as all into this stuff back then. Cause it was so mind blowing uh, <laughs> claiming. Uh, oh, there are some weird ones about uh, how they, yeah. You know, they talked about presidential models. They groomed these uh, MK ultra victims. And there was something that started back then called project monarch, you know, mm. with this conspiracy uh, theory, you know, a lot of uh, disinformation, misinformation uh, sewn in there. Basically, that uh, Hillary was part of this elite uh, network of uh, politicians that uh, that you know were also uh, moonlighted as shape-shifting reptilians and were using these MK Ultra victims as their sex slaves and whatnot. And so, you know, that's kind of a thread that's been uh, dangling out there a long time. And uh, part of it, yeah, it's political machina- machinations, you know. And uh, back in the, uh, whenever that was, the 80s uh, the timeline right here, more in the 90s, <laughs> remember, Hillary had the uh, line about the vast right-wing conspiracy at the time. And uh, I was into the, uh, you know, exploring conspiracy theories and within the uh, realm of conspiracy researchers, especially those on the rightish fringe, like the Bill Coopers of the world, it was basically they were portraying her as (laughs) attacking anybody who Invoked uh, any type of conspiracies as trying to marginalize or dismiss them as uh, conspiracy theorists. But uh, looking back on it now, I think she was probably uh, pretty correct in her assessment that (laughs) it was sort of a political operation, right wing conspiracy that started a lot of this stuff, you know, just to uh, taint. uh, the Bill Clinton presidency and, uh, you know, damage her political career. Because a lot of this stuff started off with uh, initially the so-called Clinton, uh, whatever they call that, the hit list, kill list, where the Clintons were killing all these uh, people. And with uh, the Vince Foster suicide back into the day, over time that uh, mushroomed, and you can listen to old Bill Cooper uh, Uh, episodes from the 90s where at that time the clinton hit list was at uh, 75 now it's probably at uh, several thousand
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah what in your opinion i mean as someone you know boots on the ground in the states why do you feel that this particular conspiracy theory was the one that kind of you know managed to sort of dig into america in the way it did
2: well uh, social media helped out Hmm. uh, using these different uh platforms to really rat fuck and, uh, radicalize, uh, you know, people, and the, you know, the, the, uh, smarter people than me <laughs> written and talked about this, uh, subject, you know, but part of it, uh, I mean, the motivation for it, these campaigns was to, uh, uh undermined uh, democracy and a lot of it was fueled, has been fueled by racism with uh, Obama getting elected, you know, so it was kind of a, it was a backlash to that liberal democracy.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So I think one of the things that's really blown my mind actually has been the kind of new age response to it as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like historically the new age has always been the left, doesn't it? I mean, well, I mean, mm -hmm. but this yeah. seems to have dug into them as well. They seem to also be <laughs> sort of adopting Yeah, that's, it.
2: that's kind of been happening a long time, but I started to see it, you know, in real time. And it talk about, once again, uh, social media was helping to amplify a lot of this stuff. But you saw, like, websites, for instance, uh, that got uh, co-opted, uh, something like Natural News, you yeah, had these alternative websites that were into, you know, uh, stuff that people on the left, hippy dippy types are into, uh, yoga. And <laughs> you've seen that phenomenon. I had friends tell me that, that yoga centers, they'd become, uh, a lot of people who, uh, got you know into uh, yoga or also into QAnon, strangely enough, but some of these sites uh, I think, you know, particularly something I think was called Natural News that uh, started as, you know, alternative health cures and into uh, yoga and meditation and fasting and all of this stuff over time got co-opted, and if you go in you know, some of these sites now, there's like QAnon stuff, all over them, you know, and it kind of that also helped to feed into a lot of the anti-vax hysteria. And, it, you know, it's something that uh, this crossover of the left and the right coming together in uh, the conspiracy uh, realm, you know, it really goes back uh, quite a while to, uh, you know, the seven, Talk about uh, like the John Birch Society back in the uh, late 60s had all these theories about uh, basically the counterculture had been infiltrated by uh, the communists and they'd also infiltrated the CIA and the FBI and all these mass demonstrations were uh, basically – Kind of uh, propped up by uh, same, you know, the elitists and uh, people with ties to communists and pushing this new world order type uh, stuff. And that the uh, CIA, etc., behind the major assassinations uh, back in the day. You know, some of these threads later ended up in uh, the Illuminatus and. At that same time, you had, uh, with the 60s counterculture, you had a lot of people there questioning the Kennedy assassination. Was the uh, CIA, FBI involved, you know? And so on the right, you had the John Birch Society saying the Illuminati who controls the CIA and FBI were behind the assassination. On the other, you know, the left side of the spectrum, they were – saying the uh, CIA and whatnot, and some of the theories uh, were possibly involved in the assassination. So all of this kind of came together in a sort of middle ground that some people have called fusion uh, paranoia, where you see people on the right and the uh, left uh, come together in agreement on you know, certain things that uh, there are players on the world stage, behind the scenes, manipulating the event, the events going on and creating these, uh, you know, behind the assassination and later these so-called false flags events, you know, like
0: 9-11. I, I wonder, I mean, it's, it seems like a prescient question in some way, what, what, what do you think Robert Anton Wilson would make of all of this?
2: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think both he and uh, Greg Hill and Kerry Thornley'd be s- scratching their heads, going, "Wow, how much? What type of role did we have in this? Because <laughs> they they did, uh, in some sense, unwittingly, you know, uh, help bring uh, the uh, idea of the Illuminati more into the mainstream. You know, it was kind of a playful poking fun at and." doing parody and satire about what the John Birch Society were involved with, the Illuminati. That's how Operation Mindfuck started, but it did help push it in into the counterculture with, uh, you know, Illuminatus, and so that got kind of seated there in people's minds, once again on the left and the right, about uh, the Illuminati. And back in those days, it was like, Uh, obviously it wasn't as widespread uh, these uh, notions about the Illuminati but over time it's kind of grew and grew you know Uh, things get repeated enough you know after a while it's you know same thing with like something like the Roswell crash whether that happened or not it gets repeated so many times that people uh, begin to uh Work that into their belief system that yeah maybe something did happen to Roswell I mean at Roswell there's so many stories there must be something to it and same thing with the Illuminati you know hmm. yeah, yeah or Q or QAnon
0: yeah yeah it's interesting I I've, one one thing before we sort of go back into some more historical kind of stuff when did the I think is it endocrone is that what it's called the alleged substance that Hillary Clinton oh. <laughs> extracts from these. Uh, when did that first appear? Because that seems like that seems like Ike kind of stuff. I don't know. Is
2: when... I I think it might have been a Hunter S. Thompson joke to begin with. Oh right, yeah. And that's that's kind of another one of these. I mean, these memes get repeated in different ways over times. You know that, uh, like uh, you see it in uh, a lot of the UFO. Uh, culture of the late 80s when they were talking about the alien invasion and uh there was a secret treaty between the u.s government and the zeta reticulans or whoever that uh, they would the aliens would trade their technology in return for humans to uh do ghastly experiments on and part of this this was a dying alien race and they needed the uh Precious bodily fluids of uh, baby humans to keep them alive. So, and you see that with uh, anti-Semitic uh, literature. You know, I forget what the what the uh, terminology was, but kind of the same uh, thing uh, that uh, you know uh, that leads that leads us to uh, Q and on and all these other uh, stories.
0: But it's weird. and you
2: know there's that there's there's that undercurrent of <laughs> always that an, undercurrent of anti-semitism down there
0: yeah i i had um i was just sat on a bus it was the first time i ever heard of <laughs> heard of, even heard the phrase endocrine is it endocrine yeah is that but i was sat on a bus listening to two school kids talking about it and wow and literally <laughs> heard like one of them i can't remember what their kind of main conversation was about but hillary clinton came into the conversation and oh, then, great. and then I heard, oh yeah, but you know, she's like just after the endocrine, and I was like, oh my god, what is it? You know, whipped my phone out. I was like, what the hell's endocrine? I looked it up, and I was like, oh, Jesus.
2: <laughs> this... It was it was pretty new to me at the time. It's, uh, but I think it was a Hunter S. Uh, Thompson uh, joke, and he he did some of that uh, back in the day. You know, he talked about uh, misinformation, disinformation. I mean, uh, uh, Wilson and Shea were playing around with that and kind of a fun way just to tweak people back in the day. But Thompson did it. If you look in his uh, book, I believe it was uh, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail in 1972. Mm. Just uh, jokingly, he started (laughs) this uh, rumor that uh, the uh, presidential, let's see, he's he's the vice presidential candidate. I think he's running for president. Edwin Muskie was using Ibogaine, and uh, just uh, floated in there jokingly to see what would happen, and it was you know one of those things that kind of uh, took off in certain circles, and people is going is really you know is uh, Muskie really using ibogaine for some, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and so you can see how those things can get seeded, even doing them uh, jokingly into uh, culture, and I think the Indra. Chrome thing is like uh, same sort of dill that uh, Thompson joked about at uh, one point, and years and years later it got somehow picked up uh, by the you know QAnon crazies.
1: I think there's even uh, Mr. Burns mentions it in a simpsons episode back from the 90s oh. not 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 specifically the endocrine but uh, mm-hmm. but needing the blood of a young boy <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so but just for you know that seeding uh, well i guess then you've got like countess lady bathory right back in history bathing in the blood of uh mm-hmm. virgins and stuff so there's always been this notion of the, the powerful preying on the, the weak in then take putting projecting it into an extremely visceral kind of image.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting.
2: So and, yeah, and so that's there even though, you know, uh, obviously uh, a lot of people who are uh, either in QAnon or studying uh, watching observing QAnon may not be aware of that uh connection, but you know, that's definitely a part of uh whatever you want to call it the missos or mythos or disinformation behind uh, QAnon and some of the you know some of these other uh, things circulating
0: one thing i thought was really interesting i saw a thing it was actually a remix on youtube but i saw alex jones as um has parted ways with qanon now <laughs> he seems to have finally rejected them and he, he I, there was an interview of him interviewing this shaman the q on shaman and he cuts him off and goes i've had enough of you people but he, oh, it's sh- even it's even too crazy for alex jones it's like, like oh, jesus
2: i don't I, I don't know <laughs> who knows maybe he's distancing himself from what happened you know with the uh insurrection at the capital
0: mm, yeah yeah it's definitely yeah i don't know i think he's i don't know he's a strange one alex jones isn't he we'll, yeah we'll come to him in a bit but let's let's go to your book a little bit and talk about first of all i want to talk about like why you sort of focus so much on dulce base and, and also what is the dulce base um you know because there's going to be listeners to the show that have never heard of it so it'd be good to kind of kind of cover off that story but also like why in particular in this book did you focus in on that a lot more and um
2: yeah well, it really started with uh, my interactions with a uh, character named Tal Levesque about uh, oh, back 2008 or so, and he was one of the original promulgators, promoters of uh, dulce base uh, theory back in the day, starting in the late 80s, uh, and so he's a real fascinating character, and I uh, uh, met with him, and I uh, started working on an article called My Breakfast with Tal. This was like, like 2007, 2008. And uh, part of it, you know, as I was writing it, uh, dealt with Dolce, his involvement in that. And at that point, I, you know, Started looking into all these uh, Dulce uh, rumors just to find out what was fact or fiction. And uh, so, this article, My Breakfast with Tal, began to expand to something I was calling uh, Deconstructing Dulce, going through all the uh, rumors and theories about it and kind of uh, taking it all apart and seeing where it all started, you know. And I got to the point about. Uh, a couple years after that written like 10,000 words and it kept going so okay this looks like it might be a book and it kind of got put on the hold for a while I was working on other uh, projects but uh, you know dived back into it over time maybe five years ago or so and um, um, I started seeing how Dulce also connected to all these other stories in ufology back during that period that were all the rage the MJ 12 par- papers and uh, Area 51, etc. And so, yeah, uh, tracing back the origins of Dulce Base, which I uh, discovered over time, really goes back to the uh, Benowitz affair, which uh, started in the uh, late 70s. Mm. And probably need to yeah yeah so that's okay let's start get in off. get into that and see, uh explain how that kind of led to uh the dulce base uh story
0: yeah so should we do that then should we talk, let's talk about Benowitz first actually because um that kind of predates dulce doesn't it and uh kind of lead like you say it kind of leads into that that story so yeah let's talk about Benowitz.
2: so he was uh, Benowitz was a, uh physicist uh he uh, was a government contractor he started a uh, business called uh, thunder dynamics and he was uh, kind of an inventor he was uh producing uh avionics equipment sensors these type of stuff for airplanes and military equipment and whatnot and he was located uh, right on the outskirts of kirtland uh Air Force Base, where a lot of stuff was going on uh, during that period, Uh, Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico, and um, Benowitz was also a member of a UFO organization, APRO. He had an interest in UFOs, as well as uh, cattle mutilations, which had uh, kind of uh, became a thing back uh, during that uh, period. So anyway... Benowitz started noticing uh, UFOs or craft he couldn't explain over Kirtland Air Force Base and specifically over an area called the Monsanto uh, weapons area, I believe it was called. It had the largest stash of uh, nuclear weapons components uh, in the U.S., as the story goes, during that period. So, you know, uh, Benowitz became alarmed at this. He started filming these things, and he also set up a uh, bunch of different uh, sensors to pick up signals and stuff. This is at his, you know, house, looking towards this. Uh, and became to believe it was some type of alien invasion going on there and uh, these signals he started picking up, he believed were from the alien craft or something. he was trying to decode what was going on. and he even alerted the uh, Kirtland officials about uh, what he was picking up on. Uh, the Kirtland officials, uh, people there, security kind of over time started playing. Along with him, wanting him to believe these alien uh, transmissions that he was picking up, but what was what was going on there in reality was uh, testing of secret craft and also uh, laser communications they were developing there at uh, Kirtland and also uh, Sandia Labs. You might have heard of that. That's where a lot of this work was uh, going on, and they were concerned that one that. Uh, these transmissions he was picking up he would figure out how to decode them because they were basically you know, talking uh, to satellites and uh, stuff and uh, and so they started seeding him with disinformation to make him believe that yeah this was all part of some uh, alien invasion and uh, this is where Richard Doty got involved an infamous figure who worked for AFOSI, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. He's basically a counterintelligence guy, and the campaign here became uh, this counterintelligence operation was d- to divert uh, Benowitz's attention away from uh, Kirtland and push him towards uh, Dulce Base, where they could actually even stage some uh, things. Uh, and you know to make him believe this was uh, the aliens ultimately to discredit him, but they were also feeding him uh, different disinformation and documents to see who he was passing them on to because s- there was a lot of infiltration of Russian agents and Chinese agents into the UFO <laughs> movement back then. So it was a pretty convoluted uh, story, but anyway, let's bring, the dulce stuff in here so benowitz uh, started putting together this report called uh, project beta to discuss his findings and uh one of those was his belief that yeah there was some type of base out there at uh Dulce and he was uh, sending letters off to different politicians and in one of the early letters it was like 82 or 83 uh the letter said that uh this base and he didn't name it specifically Dulce, but that's what he's talking about had been abandoned by the uh military there and that it was this joint uh alien and uh, U.S. military base, and the uh, workers there had either abandoned or the base or had been killed. And also in his uh, letter, he uh, talked about a uh, space gun he invented to uh, that he was convinced would kill all the aliens. So that was the early seeds, you know, a letter like that uh, that uh, started the whole Dulce base mythos and it was uh really didn't become a thing until uh 10 years later or so when other ufo researchers started uh picking up on it and weaving their own <laughs> ideas into uh what exactly what was going on at uh dulce and this led in time to get the other people involved like uh john lear and tala and uh the release of something called the uh, Dulce Papers, uh, which took uh, ufology by storm in around 1988
0: 1899. Yeah, I remember that. It was one of the first things I remember. Um, prior to the web, you know, being a thing, I remember what was it, Telnet or I can't remember Usenet or one of these uh, early.
2: Well, yeah, the user groups back then. Yeah, and that was and... One of that,
0: and William Cooper's early UFO. Um, document those two things were the two things you just constantly see the dulce papers and the uh william cooper um thing
2: now what, one of the weird uh stories that uh fed Benowitz's uh, imagination or paranoid delusions or whatever was first reported in a uh, book by my friend greg bishop called uh, project beta and uh he shared the story that Bill Moore had shared with him. Uh, Bill Moore was a UFO researcher right in the middle of this whole Benowitz affair back in the day. And uh, Moore, uh, during that uh, period, had met with uh, J. Allen Hynek, you know, a famous uh, name, uh, had been involved in uh, Project uh, Blue Book. And Influenced, you know, movie like Counter, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And he was still, apparently, Heineck was uh, under contract to the Air Force at that time. And he uh, gifted, this was Heineck, he told Bill Moore that he gifted uh, Benowitz a uh, computer with some software loaded into it that would allow him to talk to the aliens. Now, Heineck didn't uh, tell Benowitz uh, specifically, but apparently uh, the uh, Air Force had put this uh, software in there that uh, uh, yeah, indeed, uh, at least the way uh, Benowitz perceived it, he had a direct line of communication to the ETs, and also this uh, computer, the software, apparently uh, conjured up some like very basic images of ets on his screen and uh this was uh confirmed in later years by other people who visited uh with benowitz like uh, gabe valdez who's a pretty good so- source that uh he was getting information he was the from sheriff
1: of uh the sheriff of Dulce, wasn't it?
2: uh gabe? yeah he was he was a state trooper who was investigating right. uh Cattle mutilations and uh, UFOs during this period and suspected, you know, the government, uh, some clandestine branch of the government was uh, behind it. But, uh, you know, through this information um, Benowitz was receiving, he put together this Project Beta report and uh, it's probably the he was mentioning a lot of the memes that later became a mainstay stay in uh, ufology. He referred to some of the entities living at Dulce base as grays, probably the first time that term had been uh, used. and so that became you know a uh, trope in ufology obviously. and uh, 1980 he uh, Benowitz uh, started doing these regressions of a lady named Myrna Hansen, who had uh, supposedly witnessed uh, some ETs in Eagle's Nest, New Mexico, when she was driving through there with her son? And uh, she observed at the time, and this was 1980, pretty early on, the uh, a UFO uh, send down a tractor beam and beam up a cow <laughs> into the ship. And she and her son got beamed up, supposedly, and this was her. Memory and they saw her, the uh, aliens basically uh, chopping up, dissecting the cow, basically a cattle uh, mutilation. So, Benowitz started, uh, uh, basically got involved with doing regressions with the Myrna Hansen. And during one regression session, she claimed that uh, she had been transported to an underground base. Uh, somewhere and you know went under the usual uh she, they conducted the aliens a medical uh, experiment uh, with her maybe uh in, you know we're trying to uh breed an alien hybrid <laughs> with her and uh, at one point she escaped and was running through this uh, underground facility and saw the classic uh human alien hybrids and vats and whatnot. And so once again, you know, this material became really, you know, fed into ufology in the years to come and, you know, popular shows like the uh, X-Files and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so all these stories were picked up by the likes of John Lear and others yes, in the eighties and, and Bill Cooper and expanded upon, <laughs> and this was the main story out there now in the late 80s, that indeed there was this secret uh, treaty or pact between the humans and aliens, and they were experimenting on uh, humans, and these other researchers picked up on it, like, uh, I say quote-unquote researchers like Bill Cooper, and added their own spin on it, and, uh, you know, it just became the main themes and tropes and ufology during that period
1: Oh, I was just going to ask whether the uh, whether the lady who had been subject to the regressions was she was she already familiar with the, the mythos or did she does she represent the, the you know the first point at which uh, people that aren't necessarily directly involved in the conspiracy are now beginning to report or feed into encounters you know start sort of Giving it life and weight outside the actual sort of information being fed out by uh, Doty and chums.
2: Well, it was definitely one of the early uh, stories. Um, if you th- look at the, uh, Linda Moulton Howe was also involved mm-hmm. in this scene, and you know cattle mutilations were a big part of it, and uh, I think you can still find her uh, documentary "Strange Harvest" online. Yeah. and you'll see a segment there where a uh, hypnotic regressor named Le- uh, Leo Sprinkle is uh, oh, yeah. regressing a lady named uh, Judy Doherty. And a couple of years before uh, Myrna Hansen, she had a uh, similar experience. You know, but all these all these people were connected. Leo Sprinkle was the same guy who did the regressions of. Uh, Myrna Hansen, and, you know, it's quite possible—this was brought up by uh, Greg Valdez, who is the son of uh, Gabe Valdez, who has looked into this quite a bit, and uh, he thinks it's quite possible that uh, Myrna Hansen might have been involved working with uh, Doty and AFOSI to basically uh, concoct that uh, promote that story as well so it's it's quite unclear Myrna Hansen kind of uh, disappeared after that and no one's really been able to track her down some sources uh, i think uh, had her in uh, California you know after that but uh, no no one's really talked to her or uh, completely sure that that was even her real name, so you know there's there's a lot of confusion around all these stories. Does um obviously
0: around I don't even know if it's around that sort of time, but um, when did Kiel's book come out, The Mothman Prophecies? That must have been.
2: That was uh, in the well the uh, the incident itself with the Silver Bridge and all that, the Mothman sightings was the late '60s and kill was writing about that, you know, during that period. But I think uh, he eventually published the Mothman Prophecies sometime in the 70s.
0: Yeah, so there is a connection, though, isn't there, between Indrid Cold and Dulce Base. It's, there seems to be a I, – I, I can't, off the top of my head, remember – what it is but there is some kind of at least in the law there is a connection do you know that or
2: i haven't heard that one no much.
0: i remember hearing it was something to do with injured cold being involved being based at the base or being involved with the i can't remember
2: well now. yeah i mean people trot out Indrid cold quite a bit too he's everywhere but maybe he's nowhere you know it's just another <laughs> one of these legends
0: He's one of the more interesting legends, though I think. <laughs> it's, uh, but okay, that's, we we sort of brought him up earlier on, and I'd like to talk about him a little bit. Um, William Cooper, and I think this is kind of where, if you're looking at the kind of you know the history of conspiracy theory, I see I really sort of see Bill Cooper as this kind of landmark kind of moment where things begin to sort of shift. Um, mm-hmm. So we're we're looking at kind of someone that started off as a UFO theorist and uh, and then sort of mutates into something completely different would you talk a little bit about bill cooper and his kind of uh influence and in all of this
2: yeah pretty uh damn huge influence yeah he made a name for himself uh with the ufo stuff eventually and i i kind of picked up on uh, this in real time even before he had the uh shortwave radio show uh for years i was uh continue to be uh a fan of uh like late late night radio it's not what it was back in the day but that's you know where you, a lot of uh all, you know people like uh bill cooper emerged uh from and where i first heard him was a show called the billy goodman happening that uh oh, what year was this like uh probably around 80 88 or 80 uh Nine, and it was a show out of uh, Las Vegas that uh, you know started similar, similar was like a precursor to uh, Art Bell. In fact, I, Art Bell claims he was influenced a bit by uh, Billy Goodman. But it's it started out initially initially uh, as I think he called the show the thing. And I just happened I was tuning around the dial one night and initially picked up on this and. Uh, the first shows were kind of about Elvis Presley conspiracies. He was into that, and uh, maybe ghost uh, stories. And then the Area 51 revelations uh, became too broke during that period. And Goodman was one of the first guys. He'd have Bob Lazar on there talking about it, Area 51. And uh, then Bill Cooper was one of the people that. Uh, showed up and it's it became kind of a scene you know and uh they were you know it was like ufo disclosures happening now we're getting these reports from area 51 and folks were starting to go out there there was this uh little place called uh, the rachel inn and restaurant that later became the uh, little alien you might have heard of where mm-hmm. they started having these uh little small conferences with a lot of these players and they figured out a way to get for a while to get into area 51 and uh, they'd have watch parties of these uh, UFOs or whatever, you know, secret craft that was being tested. Of course, the narrative that was being pushed is, you know, that, these were ufos you know that might have been part of a uh, disinformation campaign but so bill cooper was all part of that he got involved in the this ufo ufo scene and claimed that he had uh, when he worked when he was uh, with the military in vietnam he was a briefing officer and he had seen these documents it sounded similar to the mj-12 documents about uh, once again the secret uh, treaty between the aliens and humans and that there was an alien in captivity etc and so at this time he finally was coming forth to blow the whistle and that was his claim to uh, fame another thing he uh, Glommed to was this uh, film that supposedly showed the driver of JFK's limo uh, uh, shooting JFK. That was another uh, big thing. And uh, he kind of, Cooper at one time was even connecting the assassination of jfk to the aliens just wonderful stuff to <laughs> get into and listen late night hours on the radio uh, back then but you know he became uh, so this became sort of his thing his uh, business yeah and then it's
0: something ha- how
2: changed. he how he made um, how he made money you know a-, a grift have you
0: yeah yeah but something changed didn't it something um something sort of flipped well, him
2: I think part of it, and uh, he created a lot of trouble for himself uh, by basically evading taxes. Hmm. And uh, so he, you know, and this became, okay, a conspiracy uh, by the IRS and uh, the Clinton, uh, uh, you know, Clinton administration to take him out because he was revealing too much too soon. He became pretty uh, paranoid and uh, militant and uh, was lock and loaded, you know, whenever he went out in public and whatnot, got involved with these uh, different militias and whatnot. Yeah, and started uh, getting more into, uh, he claimed that, you know, with the UFOs that ultimately he claimed a couple of years after he had gone on to the UFO story that it was actually a government disinformation uh, campaign you know uh, got into that uh, line of uh, thinking and uh, basically uh, latched on to a lot of the popular uh, theories uh, conspiracy theories anti-government conspiracy theories uh, back during that period and became more and more paranoid and sheltered, even even though he was doing this, uh, uh shortwave broadcast that became, uh, pretty, uh, popular. He, uh, was, uh, ultimately, in, uh, indicted by the feds, you know, on all these, uh, tax evasion, Charges, but uh, for many years he was basically kind of a, f- a fugitive living in his house because nobody <laughs> wanted to approach him and have a uh, Waco-type uh, incident uh, happen. And so the uh, feds, when I say the feds, the FBI, the Department of Justice, just did kind of a hands-off approach. I mean, if you know, we get an opportunity to, to arrest this guy at uh, some point we will do that, but they never did, you know, and it wasn't really the feds that took out, uh, Bill Cooper. It was the, uh, local authorities there in, uh, trying to remember what County in, uh, Arizona he lived, but, uh, what went down, basically, he was once again getting very paranoid and whatnot. And there was a plot of land near where he lived. That was kind of like a, uh, party spot or a Lover Lane, Lover's Lane type uh, going on there. And uh, he was chasing people off that, that little plot of property. It wasn't his, but, he you know, running people off. He'd, he'd have, uh, he was always armed, threatening with weapons, you know. So some, the locals were complaining uh, to the uh local sheriffs so the there was local a particular sheriff. guy
0: wasn't there there was a um, he he came down and did it to a particularly influential local character i think wasn't there i um i've just recently read the book about him what's it called uh pale right No, i can't remember what it's called now there's a good biography of william cooper and mm-hmm. I, I think the person yeah. he actually came he got was a specific person that he came and threatened um, who mm-hmm. who had some influence with the local authorities, and that's what kind of got the ball rolling, wasn't it? I think.
2: Yeah the fir- the uh, there was one sheriff there who didn't want to deal with them, probably wisely so. You know, just <laughs> maybe uh, just leave this guy alone. Hopefully he doesn't uh, kill anybody. But it continued to escalate. Then they got another sheriff there who was more gung ho and said, "We're going to go after this guy." So. They did a uh, stakeout, and he did his – Cooper did his routine where he went out and was chasing the locals off the nearby property, and uh, these sheriffs, maybe half a dozen or whatever, caught up with him, and and, uh, so – they were staked out and they approached him. And so Cooper jumped in his truck and (laughs) hightailed it back to his uh, house. Uh, And I guess there was a couple staked out of his house uh, too. And before he could get inside, a shootout that occurred, Uh, I think uh, Cooper started it. He shot one of the sheriffs in the head and they, uh, then they uh, ended his life before he could make it into his house, which, you know, once again, that, uh I think he was pretty prepared once he got inside for a long standoff. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's a really dark ending, isn't it, that one in particular. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's um but one thing that Cooper did that was really kind of I think quite different was he really started to plumb Christianity into into the conspiracy theory. Didn't he did this whole I can't remember the name of it now, but he did this whole tract, didn't he, where he each week he'd read sections connecting the masons to the christian oh,
2: mystery babylon that's the
0: one yeah yeah mystery babylon which,
2: which was a great series i listened <laughs> to quite a bit of that so yeah he was weaving the masonic uh theory into that you know and that masonry was whatever anti-christian all those elements were in there but you know a lot of that was just uh, picking up off of uh other uh, conspiracies that had been bubbling up over the years, promoted by the uh, John Birch Society and whatnot. And and it's, it's uh, pretty interesting, too, that uh, he got a pretty big following by uh, black inmates in prison, talking about, you know, they his book, Behold a Pell Horse, uh, got introduced into that scene. So even... Even today, you know, he has a uh, following there, which is uh, pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, they talk about that in in the biography. He had this, right, right. He was quite um, influential with it.
2: So, um, and even even rappers, yeah, (laughs) yeah, Bill Cooper inspired songs, rapping about the Illuminati and whatnot.
0: This seems crazy if you think about his kind (laughs) of who followed up from him, but uh, which we'll talk about now. So. This is kind of like where things start, you know, this sort of period of things are starting to get a little bit more interwoven, I think. And we're starting to see some real kind of very, uh, you know, we can sort of see the DNA of something like QAnon starting to, to form, in my opinion, anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so one of the things that happened not so much, well, was in a similar time period was the Satanic Panic. And that seems to be a real... Um, kind of primer almost and it almost feels like we might be heading into satanic panic 2.0 at the moment but um which is Mm -hmm. maybe another show in itself because the amount of sort of satanic kind of news reports i'm seeing at the moment are off the chart actually it's crazy it's like i've not seen anything like this since the satanic panic so it's it's kind of Mm -hmm. it's really interesting and it does seem to be eerily close to QAnon so <laughs> so let's talk yeah. a little bit about the satanic panic because that was something that was kind of interwoven into conspiracy theory as well and it, and particularly with uh, David Icke seemed to really um yeah, that seems to be where he sort of not comes in but he, he he certainly went back to the satanic panic for a lot of his kind of material let's put it that way but uh what was the kind of what, what were you tracking that at the time or
2: yeah one of the threads that kind of started that was the mcmartin preschool thing if you recall that
0: mm-hmm. yeah 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 that, that was one of the um yeah i do remember that that was yeah very early on wasn't it
2: yeah there was there was this uh preschool and it was in california i forget uh where exactly and there was these allegations of uh sexual molestation i mean this plays once again into what uh came out with the QAnon. Um, nothing was ever pro- proven. There was uh, some of the people were indicted, and there was uh, court cases. But you know, there was a lot of uh, speculations or rumors and or misinformation mixed into the thing. One of it, there was underground tunnels. You know, yeah, that was one- <laughs> under the McMartin preschool. That sounds like uh, QAnon. You had different uh, people in the conspiracy scene, so to speak uh latch on to the satanic panic one was uh ted gunderson mm. who uh also became involved with quote-unquote uh, deprogramming so-called women mind control victims you know maybe uh, he was screwing with their heads as well but he was given a certain amount of credibility just because he had been a uh, former FBI uh, like ran a uh, like a field station for the FBI so you know he grew, he was in the ranks of the FBI which doesn't mean you can't leave the FBI or <laughs> later and go nuts or uh, but so he became a prominent uh, figure exploiting the satanic panic and also mixing it up with a lot of this uh the mind control stuff obviously you know there's some core of truth to mk ultra, but then the project monarch stuff was uh, brought into that as an outgrowth and, of uh, mk ultra and that kind of that was mixed in with a lot of the uh, satanic panic uh stuff as well that was being promoted
0: well, it's also the satanic panic seemed to fuel a lot of the le- sort of darker later conspiracy theorists um uh, there's a guy i forgot oh, what's his name the guy that always holds up the golden dawn book oh um F- freeman i think he's called and i know he always plums back into. oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he always plums back into satanic panic as if the that kind of moral panic is somehow fact you know and that seems to and this is something that really seems to kind of Kick in a lot with people like Alex Jones and David Icke, where their kind of sources seem to be these sort of distorted satanic panic kind of um, narratives. And
2: that, that... yeah, a lot of the evidence is, oh, we're connecting the dots and the symbolism, you know, and you know, uh, kind of led to the uh, connecting of dots that you saw in QAnon and you know, certain numbers. (laughs) show up again or you know these type of uh things to prove their theory but there's you know really no proof behind any of it so to to, uh you know for a good conspiracy theory to work there must be some kernel of, of fact there you know uh to uh that people can point back to you know for instance uh uh, with uh, with the whole QAnon thing, that, or if Pizzagate, which led to QAnon, it goes back to the uh, Hillary's emails or the emails that were hacked from the DMC that were, uh, you know, Assange put out there, maybe with the help of the uh, Russians, and it was from those emails, uh, particularly John Podesta's stuff where they were uh, talking about uh, hot dogs or what you know what they were mm. going to eat that night and those type of things they're you know uh, they claimed later Pete, the PizzaGate mm-hmm. <laughs> promoters uh, claimed it was like hidden messages that uh, talked about this uh, secret pedophile ring so that's why it's important to have some just a little bit of nugget. There a factual information to build, you know, a false narrative off of that you can point to. Yeah. You know?
0: So it seems like we've got the satanic panic. We've got Bill Cooper. And then, uh, but still, even in this time, conspiracy theory still really felt very, um, like a, like a subculture. Like, and it, um, it, the majority of it was still quite fun and quite kind of, mm-hmm. uh, and quite, um, I don't know, it, it was like a fun kind of little subculture to be a part of. And, you know, you had disinfo.com coming up around this sort of time and all, yep. the, all these kind of uh, little sort of subcultures. But it was never particularly dark um, until one particular catalyst. And uh, we spoke about this in an earlier show with Joseph Maffini, but I wanted to get your take on it. To me, it seems that when things went dark uh, and sort of started to flip towards the conservatism and towards... This kind of so you know the alt right and all this kind of was nine eleven that seemed to be the that was the first one where you had Charlie Sheen all of a sudden you know uh, <laughs> um, narrating um, documentaries about you know I, I put that in quotes documentaries about nine eleven um, but could you talk to nine eleven a little bit and how how that kind of whether you saw that same change that I saw right? Um, and you know what your take on that is
2: well yeah like you said. Uh, prior to whatever point in time you want to uh, point to, you know, whether it's 9-11 or maybe uh, a little bit after that, uh, conspiracy theories, yeah, looking into all this stuff and UFOs and whatnot was kind of uh, fun. It was a way to, uh, you know, as... Like Robert Anton Wilson talked about, jump into a reality hole and uh, like entertain uh, theories and think about them and take them to a, a certain depth, but also having enough uh, perspective to, you know, step back out of the reality tunnel and look at these things in different ways, you know. And so, yeah, and a lot of. So um, I was interested in the uh, Kennedy conspiracy for many years, you know. Uh, 9-11 became a bit uh, too much, and it did start to become a bit uh, darker then. You had these other characters characters coming into it, too. I mean, once again, the satanic panic thing, and David Icke came in there with the reptilians and... uh, you know, these mythos of the uh, Illuminati screwing with us all. Um, I mean, it, it's really uh, with Trump coming in that <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it really got uh, bad. And now it's like, uh, oh, and, you know, before that, the, you know, there's a lot of political mechan- machinations going on uh, with uh, Sandy Hook was a, uh, you know, really one that uh, turned dark and you can see how um, when I say political operations uh, going on with uh, some of this stuff, he started having these stories like, you know, um, Sandy Hook itself was a uh, incident was a condemnation against uh, we have too many weapons in this country and too many crazy people can get their hands on this country get their hands on these things in this country and these u.s and you see these shootings continue to uh, escalate but the you know the theories conspiracy theories of sandy hook was that yeah there's crisis actors involved and this is a uh, false flag and the people promoting are the uh, people saying uh, you know the family members and uh, Victims that survived these are the actual bad guys, you know, they're promoting these false theories to take your uh, guns away. And, you know, the type of ideas that the NRA or, you know, have promoted and that the GOP seems to be, they're not condemning these things now. And it's all kind of the mentality of, uh, uh, you know, those in... uh, promoting a lot of these uh, theories now. So that's, you know, things began to get darker with 9-11 and all these other events that had happened and they've been used to, uh, you know, create this these uh, different uh, propaganda influence campaigns, disinformation campaigns where uh, conspiracy theories are weaponized.
0: Yeah. I mean, the main weaponizer of that seemed to be Alex Jones at the time, didn't it? He seemed to be, especially after the yeah. Bohemian Grove, seemed to be the thing that kind of kicked him off. Um, yeah, and
2: what a what a silly, <laughs> silly thing you know that that was. But uh,
0: yeah, yeah, it's partially John Ronson's fault who we've had on the show, <laughs> right,
2: right? I mean, that kind of like uh, Wilson and uh, Shea talking about the Illuminatus and putting it out there. Uh, John Ronson, who I love. Mm. But yeah, he, he provided a forum, uh, trying to expose some of the stuff that was uh, going on. But you know, also ended up providing a forum for Alex Jones that uh, maybe helped uh, many ways launch his career.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating. It's it's almost a shame in a way. I kind of miss. I almost miss the Illuminati. Now we've got QAnon. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of crazy, isn't it? You sort of feel sorry. Well, the,
2: the Illuminati pops up now and then, still. Mm. Yeah, but
0: yeah. It, it's they seem to have uh, that seems to have been memeized doesn't it, in the public consciousness? It's just, so it sort of yeah. almost feels like if you use that word anymore, it's sort of immediately mocked. Kind of thing. Well, you're yeah, using no, the word
1: um, Illuminati, or, but you know. but if but also the word memes. So like mm-hmm. you know the meme this sort of notion of memes and these sort of like thought viruses that the um, social media can disseminate so rapidly. One of the things you were just mentioning Sandy Hook and uh, 9-11 and uh, one of the things that interests me about conspiracy theory is the phenomena of apophenia the ability to make what can be interpreted as meaningful connections between two things or more where there might not actually be any connection which is kind of uh, an an intrinsic part of conspiracy theory, and there seems to be maybe it is with uh, in quote marks democratization or whatever of social media. I've there's people that I've spoken to who are so caught up in uh, the apophenic side of their conspiracy theory that they're then completely insulated from it so they won't even they'll reject they'll reject notions like apophenia and things and will will now believe if they have themselves made a connection because they've read x amount of memes and little blog posts and whatnot then their the the power of the connection that they feel they have made themselves gives it a, a an element of truth that they then stand behind even if it doesn't actually have any truth to it whatsoever Mm -hmm. and i was just thinking because you were mentioning the weaponization of of these conspiracies and maybe that goes hand in hand with an, an emerging vulnerability of of the consumers of these conspiracies to to either wade through the sort of the fact and fiction or take the playful side a bit more like Robert Hanson Wilson where these are kind of, yeah, reality tunnels that you're exploring and then you step back out of to people that are now completely buying into certain elements of conspiracies and maybe more so the darker they get Um, and then insulating themselves. exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. The other thing that's interesting is that you can now buy protein bars that are conspiracy-driven. I, I find that hilarious. Still, you know, from Alex Jones. Oh, of
2: course, they're <laughs> selling all, all kinds of products. <laughs> that
0: always makes me laugh. Okay, so let's very quickly touch on PizzaGate because it's you know it's probably still very in the public's consciousness, so we don't really need to cover it hugely. But it still does feel like this was a this was a big one that kind of this really broke into the mainstream. It was huge. You know, it was um, this was you know, it had real life consequences. It had, you know, it was it, it was mentioned in elect, you know, election campaigns. It was, and like you say, it's kind of like the the doorway for QAnon in some ways, isn't it? So could you talk mm-hmm. about, like, I, I mean, I read your Daily Grail article and it'd be great if you could kind of talk over some of your thoughts of like that particular. I'd have to
2: I'd pull up my Daily Grail article to remember what I wrote about. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah,
0: it's, it, that definitely seems to be a, a real... That, I mean that was like all the all the conspiracy world talked about for a while and for me as someone you know as, as someone that's also very interested in you know the kind of culture of conspiracy that seemed different to me there's something different about it and I couldn't oh yeah I couldn't quite put well, my finger it, on it
2: well yeah it seems like it was uh orchestrated you see a lot of you know let's let's assume for a minute it was orchestrated by people who wanted to get, uh, Trump in office, which itself, I guess, is another, um, conspiracy theory, but there's, with a lot of these, uh, you know, that the, uh, people in right-wing circles were promoted, you know, there's a certain amount of projection in there. I wonder what was, uh, going on, um. And were they were they trying to get ahead of negative stories about uh, Trump? We don't know for sure, but it seems like he was involved in the same type of networks. Uh, we talking, you know, the Pizza Gate was talking about with you know with his connection to uh, Jeffrey Epstein and uh, whatnot. Of course, Bill Clinton also had those uh, connections. So you know that. Uh, type of campaign that had you know, fingerprints of a lot of these operatives over, you know, the Roger Stones of the world. And you see the, the first people promoting these stories were like proteges of all these right-wing operatives. Mike Cernovic and uh, Jack Prosaic, they were the first, really the first ones to start uh, promoting this along with Alex Jones and the initial stories uh you know that came from those emails somehow i guess uh comet pizza was uh mentioned in those i don't remember exactly uh now so whoever came up with this uh, decided to uh you know that was that was one of the key places where these child sacrifices were going on so when this uh campaign was first launched here we have uh, and i don't know if a lot of the videos that uh, still exist but you had uh, simultaneously jack prosaic was going you know you see a f- film of him uh video of him going to uh on his way to comet pizza and he's going to uh, Blow the whistle on this, and Mike Cernovic did the same thing. And Alex Jones got hit on his radio, saying, "I, I don't know what's going on there, but I, if I have a mind, I'm gonna tonight. I'm gonna go over there and uh, travel there and see what's uh, going on." And this kind of lit a fuse with uh, crazies out there to go, you know, invade Comet Pizzas, and he started seeing other people uh, pick on up on this who were kind of unwitting dupes. I don't believe, you know, (laughs) Alex Jones and these other alt-right guys actually believed this stuff, but it seemed like they got marching orders or they put their, you know, it was, uh, they put their stories, uh, got together and put the, concocted these stories so that kind of matched uh, each other and pretty soon, you know, it led to, some crazy who is watching Alex Jones actually go to uh, Comet Pizza and looking for the underground uh, rooms that didn't exist and firing off a weapon. Now that guy's in uh, prison for a while.
0: Yeah. Well, is Talking of Alex Jones, is, is Jones the first like con- larger conspiracy theorist to be involved directly with a presidential campaign? He must be.
2: Yeah, I think so. And yeah, it's, it's odd, you know, and a lot of people said, uh, uh, you know, thought that uh, after Trump got in office, you know, uh, maybe uh, Jones would eventually, you know, uh, start speaking out against, because he's, you know, he portrayed himself as anti-establishment, you know, mm. and now all of a sudden he's like a lapdog for the uh, president. You know, a lot of people thought that, you know, once Trump got in there, that, uh, you know, maybe Alex Jones would start criticizing stuff about him. But no, he's been all into MAGA and Trumpism. Until and now, so he,
0: Until now there, there it, a video came out, didn't it, recently, where you, saw, you see Jones on camera saying, I wish I'd never been involved with Trump and I'm sick of it.
2: <laughs> well, the... yeah, he might face legal consequences here. He did have, you know they're just starting to dig into you know with the Senate Select Committee into January 6 and hopefully they're going up the food chain I know they it sounds like they are with this January 6 committee whether we'll see what you know uh, FBI and DOJ how far they're going up the food chain but you know Jones and some of these other characters the Roger stones and Oh, there's there's a whole network of them were you know uh, deeply involved in orchestrating uh, the events there on January uh, sixth. Yeah, so I guess like the
0: last real thing to ask here is like, obviously QAnon has kind of stood down for now, <laughs> as it were, um, and there's still, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's still very much discussed and very much uh, that community. If you can call it that, um, still seems to be there, and, and still seems to be, you know, um, they all seem to be quite pissed off at the moment because of Biden and you know all that, all that stuff. But uh, what, how do you see this going in the future? You know, as someone that's kind of studied this kind of culture for a long time, where do you see? Do do you see QAnon two point or a, a, another mutation, or what do you see?
2: Oh, it'll just be some other mutation, I'm sure. Mm. I mean, it's become now, you know, that those type of uh, people, in some cases, have become the uh, brown shirts. You know, they've they've lapped over into a lot of these uh, militia groups, the three percenters, the Oath Keepers. Once again, a lot of those <laughs> people, these groups that. Uh, were there on January 6th along with the QAnon shaman types. So, once again, it's just been weaponized. People have been radicalized to uh, buy into this stuff. So, you know, it's not going away. A lot of of them might end up in prison and whatnot and be taken out of commission like that, but, uh, you know, you also have these recent Stories about uh, you know it's getting pretty extreme. The reptilian stuff is still there. There was this guy in California who believed that what happened exactly that his uh, wife had been become infected with reptilian DNA and he killed his children. You know, and that it's it's all woven around these different uh, conspiracy theories going back to. You know, David his reptilians onto Pizzagate and, you know, the secret uh, pedophile ring that these groups uh, believe exist and are manifested in form a lot of times, uh, you know, political leaders that are more <laughs> pro-democracy, you know. With the um,
1: with the weaponization of the conspiracy theories, as as you've described, do you think um, that there is likely to be a trend towards more sort of cynical, deliberate weaponization? Further understanding, maybe uh, more about human psychology and uh, sort of social manipulation. And then, do you think that there is the opportunity for? Um, whatever sort of defensive quality that is a, a response that would come socially rather than as just another conspiracy engineered by the left, for example. How, how do you see society dealing with conspiracies that are becoming more and more dangerous, for want of a better term?
2: I don't know. It's a hard one to deal with in the U.S., you know, with First Amendment type. Uh, stuff and uh, you know, different social media platforms have really <laughs> pushed the limits a lot of, of a lot of this, and uh, as far as allowing, or it's it's more than just allowing First Amendment uh, type stuff, and a lot of the revelations continue to come out of about. Facebook being kind of malevolent actors (laughs) in all of this. I don't know what the uh, cure is, really, I think, uh, to uh, demonopolize uh, Facebook and some of these social media platforms would help, you know.
1: I mean, I, I'm I'm asking just because I'm fascinated in the the human capacity to be motivated and act upon conclusions that we've that we come to ourselves, which we do every I, I th- day. I,
2: I think a lot of people want to, myself included, want to, you know improve things and uh, but uh,
1: well so I'm just wondering I'm wondering uh, whether there whether something that we can't even see now will emerge as a as a response to that or whether we will just have a potential black hole of uh, of the weaponization of conspiracy becoming increasingly dangerous with no response not necessarily on a corporate level but on an individual mm-hmm. level. Um, for how do we how do we deal with and uh, and not be so susceptible that we're motivated to move and kill people as opposed to mm-hmm. take a, a, a sort of a wry interest in a conspiracy for its entertainment factor?
2: Well, uh, there's some heavy questions you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the answer. You know, part of it's uh, education. Uh, at all levels, but it's a push-pull. You know, the pendulum uh, swings. You know, you always have that uh, black hole there of disinformation. We'll have to uh, deal with. I mean, who saw any of this coming? You know, how can you predict uh, what? Uh, you know, how long's Facebook <laughs> been around? It's relatively a new phenomenon. What what's coming next? You know, it's hard. It's uh, hard hard to predict
0: yeah it seems like one thing that hopefully is that we can maybe spot some of this up front now we, now we've had q and pizzagate maybe it might be a bit easier to kind of spot and control almost mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that might be one good thing from from those two incidents maybe but uh but anyway um thank you so much for coming on um where can we find you on the web
2: uh, I have a website, There There's a lot of stuff on the web. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I have different blogs. We touched a bit on Discordianism. I have a, a blog called Historia Discordia that gets into a lot of that. Uh, so those are a few of the places, and my books are all on Amazon. Excellent
0: and uh, i think we're definitely going to have to have you back on for, for several shows i think because i you know I, i've been following your work for quite a while i'd like to do a discordian show with you and i'd also like to do a kerry thornley and uh lee harvey lee harvey oswald show with you potentially oh there's a bunch of richard doter sure. stuff i didn't get to chat to you about yeah so yeah there's there's t- that as well. <laughs> okay yeah there's time sure. so um yeah expect to hear from us soon but uh, thank you great. so much for coming yeah. on thanks ever so, so much, much. That's great
2: okay uh, thanks guys
0: And we are back. Well, wow, that was that was a really fun episode. It was, yeah, we covered a lot of ground. Um, I think maybe possibly slightly too quickly. <laughs> I,
1: I think we what, we crammed four decades into that. Uh, and so there was a pretty pretty high-paced uh, journey through that.
0: Certainly. Yeah, I think, um, like I say in the show, I think we're definitely going to have to have, and I, I say this all the time with guests, but we're definitely going to have to have him back on and maybe get him and sort of lock him down to particular... Um, eras maybe of, of, of yeah that would that would be great I mean it's
1: one of those things isn't it there's only so many minutes uh, and yet there's uh, an endless amount of digging and deep diving that one can do into all of these things to pull out more and more information but I think that was a really great uh, sort of overview of some of the, the, the big trends that, uh, that have come
0: about in the last few decades. It's definitely a good primer I think that episode I think um, it's definitely yeah and I think Adam's so kind of entrenched in that world. I think we could probably pick a theory and and you know we could go with him for a good hour on just one particular thing easily. You know, it's a uh, I I'd say I think we're definitely going to have the chat back on as soon as possible. Can't just, wait. Yeah, yeah. So this is a uh, you know we, we like I said earlier in the show we we we've been sort of fairly occult heavy for the last few episodes. So it is quite nice to kind of you know uh, go you know historically sitting now has always been about not just the occult it's also been about conspiracy and you know paranormal thing well not so much paranormal but kind of you know weird kind of subculture yeah weird weird
1: fringy things yeah
0: exactly so this you know this is a direction that we're also exploring so hopefully you'll stick around for that as well if you're you know if you not just here for the occult <laughs> um but yeah so Anyway, we'll, we will see you next week. and Well, I will see you next week. I don't think you're all going to be joining us. No, I'm not in the country. No, there you go. He's uh, on a secret mission um, to Dolce Base, I think. Uh, you're it. not allowed to say that. Oh, yeah, this. shit. I can't remember. I forgot. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, find us on YouTube, um, Sitting Now. We are on YouTube. And also Sitting Now, or at Sitting Now on Instagram. And I am looking at a Discord server. I think that's going to be the next um, thing. I can set it out ah the website oh the website yeah yeah of course the whole new revamped website oh yeah yeah and I mentioned that in the show but yeah yeah and also of course you can find us on sittingnow.co.uk which is where we're we're we've entrenched we have been for many years now which is our site, um, and that's sort of evolving as well as as I kind of relearn how to do it all a little bit. But uh, yeah, so you know, bear with us on all things. But um, yeah, we're we're full steam ahead with the show now, which I'm really pleased about. And we will see you next week. Absolutely, have a good week. Cheers. Bye.